Welcome to Thirsty Thursday. How the hell is everybody doing? My name is Matt. Sometimes I go by the Grass Factor uh, Martin, and uh, we are doing one of our favorite episodes where we have brought on guests from the community. Alongside me, we have Mr. Ryan DeMay and Rayita. Uh, bear with us. Ryan, I'm trying not to catch you with a mouthful of food. Uh, and I, I apologize if I if I put you on the spot. He's uh, he's enjoying a a fine Caesar salad right now, and it's not just any Caesar salad. This is one of those Caesar salads that was prepared with like fresh mustard seeds and uh, and and oil of of Italy and what else can I say? anchovies. It's really fascinating. It's it's unbelievable what what he managed to put together and uh, and consume right before we went on air. That's uh, that's called job well done. It was a hell of an effort. It was. <laughs> uh gentlemen how how the hell are y'all doing today and uh and we, we of course we can we can talk about what guests we have on the night as well too i'm excited for tonight i'm excited for tonight this is a gentleman that uh let's see here i think we've all we've all had long conversations deep conversations with this guy in other formats and forums and things like that even his own youtube channel and uh he's a thoughtful guy an insightful guy he's been through the trenches. We've heard that Locking from somebody right. before, haven't we? Yes, but <laughs> the this time it's actually the God honest truth. Can we can we get that out there? That when people can talk we, about uh, going through the trenches, yes, he actually did that. I'm gonna. We'll, we'll read that I later guess. on. We'll read the uh, the Stephen Vetter quote that really should be on uh, Goodreads or Brainy quote. We should really make that a thing. If we've already made contributions to uh, Urban Urban Dictionary hashtag True Fizzing. We should do uh, some quotes for some famous uh, famous lawn YouTubers. We'll work on that. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. Let's go. Let's go ahead and bring our bring our guest in, Brent, Western Mass Turf. Jim, j- Hi, sir, everyone. How how the hell are you doing? I'm great, thanks. How are you guys? Wonderful. Good man. And I, I'm I'm glad you are on tonight. And for those of you who don't know Brent, again, go check him out on YouTube, Western Mass Turf. Uh, and uh, and and uh, Brent and I have something in common in the sense that you know we both uh, we both come wow shit right too uh, come from corporate ish lawn care. I would say Brent more than anybody had like the real deal. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Brent uh, like, Brent is like he was wearing a in it in it. <laughs> he was wearing a oh, suit yeah. and tie, right? Something like that. Oh, yeah. At one point, I was wearing a suit. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's... Uh, can you imagine working... I, I Listen, I... That's part of the reason I am I am self-employed and completely unemployable to the man now, but you put me around a dress code, Matt Martin, Rayito, it ain't going to happen. Dude. I, I, Dude. I do not respond well to things like that. I have no problem wearing well, a suit either. I just don't want to be told what I got to wear and not wear. I okay. get in trouble for the length you... of my hair all the fucking time. <laughs> Actually, I gave now my I former employer sh- no, I gave my former employer shit or hell. And the reason why I gave my former employer hell is how's this one? The guy had to find me a heavyweight white button-down shirts. That could be embroidered. Ray. Particular and ornery since day one. Let me let me <laughs> ask this real quick of of uh I'll ask this. It's a good it's a good leadoff question, right? Uh because corporate lawn care, you know, hey, listen, it's got its pluses and a lot of minuses. 
But what was Careful. the dumbest, dumbest rule or policy that you ever experienced or had to enforce in corporate lawn care? Oh, man. Mm. Um, that's a hard question. I'm all about the hard questions. You can think about that one for a little bit. You don't. Have, you can marinate on that. You don't. You don't need yeah, to answer. Yeah, because right man, I'm thinking. I I can't really remember anything that I was just like. That is so horrifically dumb. For oh, corporate, I can think of one. Policy. Oh, oh here, tell I, me, right? I can think I'm of curious. one. I can think of one, and this is kind of like why. Uh, what prompted me to become self-employed is we couldn't leave the job site for lunch. Really? Serious. Oh. That's like a normal okay. whole that's like a normal Hawaii thing. So how's this for tacky and uncouth? Uh there'd be Ray guys, Brown bagged his lunch uh, with a bottle. No, actually actually I skip <laughs> I skip because uh you think I wanna eat food that has been Left out in the tropical sun since 7 a.m. and I only get to it at, at 12, 12 p.m. I don't fucking think so, Ryan. <laughs> I don't fucking Reminds think me of so. a quick no story. Way. When I did fly out, the only time I've ever been to Hawaii, flying out there, mm-hmm. about an eight hour flight. I took a flight from Houston to get there. Gentleman, about, yeah. eh, about five, five, six hours into the flight, produces a bag of uh, room temperature chip chop ham right out of the deli. And proceeds yes. to eat eat himself through probably I'd say about three quarters of a pound of that stuff right there on the plane. Really testing no, that. No problem with this. Listen, do you know how how much like literally a bag of lunch meat <laughs> would would be what I would grab out of the out of the uh, out of the fridge in the morning, throw it in, and just roll all day. You know, I grab a handful here, roll it up. Eat it like a piece of beef jerky, even though it's not beef jerky. It's just you know sandwich meat right from the back. I've been there, I've done that, and uh, I'm I'm not above it. It's disgusting, but you know what? It serves a purpose. This isn't well, even really necessarily corporate lawn care, but I let me still ask this do question. That a lot. Oh, well, you got sick from it not long ago, if I remember correctly. You did. Yeah, you, it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you take your chances. You gotta, you yeah. gotta take risk the reward. Yeah. Yep. Full belly of uh, nitrates and. Somewhat meat, yeah, sure. Salmon- Go for it. And salmonella, sure. And listeria, Fuck. sure. I'll be all right. So, <laughs> all right. Here's a, here's me. another lawn care question. Still here, bastards. <laughs> there, there's there's a lot of experience. I'm, uh, let's first establish this real quick. Years in turf, getting paid to do it. Let's go. Just go around hey, the horn hey. here. Uh, how many? How many, Brent? Uh, six, sixteen. Sixteen for Brent. Matthew? Uh, 16. All right, 32. Ray? That is fucking uh, crazy. It's 2023. I just did the math on that. And I mean, 32 for me as well. 32 for me as well. I almost said, I almost said 12. I almost said 12. Because I don't know what year I'm living in anymore. But May of this year will be the 16th year of getting paid of making chemical application. I'll, 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 I'll limit it to that, so making, making herbicide and pesticide applications. 
fertilizer. So that that's 32 for Ray, 16, 16. I am at, uh, I won't count 1996 because that was just like fun money and, and effing off. But 97 was my first real year. So this will be, what is that? 26, right? 26 years mm-hmm. for me. So yeah. 26 and 64, boys, 90 fucking years sitting here Jeez. right now. Holy shit. All right, let's go do a first lawn award. No, <laughs> just saying, we're a bunch of fogies here. So, all right, Man, so where have the years gone? I am blown away. I haven't done are that you gonna have, in a long time. Are you? Are, I'm are you gonna, are you having a moment right now? Right now? Yes. Oh my god, this is terrible. Like, uh, dude, you got less than uh, fifteen years to your buying senior coffee. I mean, uh, what? Stop that. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Hey, I mean, Ray, I, I'm closest. Ray could Ray could bang <laughs> Ray could bang younger chicks right now that are already in menopause. Ah, <laughs> uh, ooh, uh, <laughs> not wrong, Ryan. Not wrong, you see, actually, that's, I did the math. I right? had a bad idea. <laughs> no, I, I told you. Don't want to be, don't uh, be Picasso or anything. I'm, <laughs> I'm still looking for the fried green tomato lady over the age of forty. Oh well. <laughs> You need to change the scenery here. I think you, so. What what we need to do is open up the, uh, you know, the western uh, Western Carolina or something like that for uh, pro turf services. So we've got Western Mass. We just need Brent to franchise it, so he can be back in corporate lawn care. He needs a franchise to sell out, and we'll get <laughs> the Green Dock down there somewhere in uh, in Appalachia. But all right. Enough of that. You know, know, bullshitting around. Brent, tell me, like, uh, first, what did you do before lawn care? And then what was what was the catalyst to move you to lawn care? And then at what point after the move did you have that moment where you were like, oh, my God, I am in love? Yeah, so I uh, the first thing was being in education. I went to school to be a teacher, and that was that was the plan. my studies went well and I actually was certified early even before I graduated to be uh, in education and uh, did uh, paraprofessional work I worked in special needs uh, worked with uh, as a substitute teacher I actually had a classroom for a little bit uh, and then I would do work in the summertime uh, mowing and trimming and landscaping and, and doing that work and I loved being outdoors I loved uh, to making a difference in a landscape and uh, everything kind of started to click when I went into an interview for a corporate lawn care position. And uh, Matt, as you and I talked about this on my show, a whole, whole different world of uh, chemical applications, fertility, fungicides, this whole world of the science of lawn care was opened up to me. And I just, jumped right down into the rabbit hole and I'm still falling in it still. <laughs> well, I, I think that's always interesting. People that, especially that early, like, cause I know a lot of people that can golf and sports turf. And I, I, I can't speak to lawn care cause a lot of lawn care people I know just happen to be older than me and, and have been in it for a long, long time or whatever. But especially golf and sports, there's a lot of folks that like, Oh, I went to school for, history or engineering or whatever matt yeah engineering yeah you see where i ended up 
<laughs> right here on the shit stain of internet lawn care. <laughs> but uh, I, I just find that interesting that, you know, it can happen that fast, right? That in, you know, Matt's just talking about, you know, how fast the years go and everything like that. Like, you know, you think you're into something, you go get a degree, you spend all this money, you, you work at it for a little while. And then all of a sudden, like this epiphany happens. And uh, I, had a, I had a student like that here recently a couple of years ago that was uh he was a history major 4.0 student in college never had it you know never had a b could have done anything could have been a stockbroker anything like that and his dad was in the business and he swore he would never do it i mean he's like no nope, i think i'm gonna do it and and just decided to go that route so i don't know i always have an Rest appreciation peace, for buddy. for folks Ugh, I, he's gonna be fine he's gonna be just fine but it it, it is it, it's all about it's, that it, route i'll say this that you know, if if there is a common thing among everybody that that we have on the show, uh, the, the the continual thing that always stands out is how aggressively the industry consumes them. And I would say, even uh, from a uh, even a prosumer standpoint, whether whether it be a hobby, whether it be a career, it just it, it becomes all encompassing in this odd, strange way. And I, I don't know what that is about it. Um, but it, you know, there's a, a lot of things you end up noticing too, is that, you know, a lot of, a lot of commonality between people, a lot of similarity between, between, uh, personality types. And yes, uh, yes. It, I would say similarities between, um, uh, a drive, like you, you I have yet to come across anybody in the discord that is into this, that it, I would just say has a very lackluster drive towards life. Um, Except and <laughs> Exactly. He has he has a drive, but it is it's just misdirected. Oh boy, oh boy, needs to be put in a uh, in, in a canal tunnel, you know, to to keep him from just bouncing off all the fucking walls. Uh, if you could keep it just directed, you know, like a uh, what what is it? What is the uh, the thing where they shoot protons, you know, through that tube? Uh, I can't even. Uh, a, a, Sounds like a, right a mass oh. collider reactor. What what is that called? The accelerator. Yeah, yeah, we we need some kind of tube like that for driver because he is oh geez. I, it, anyway, so Brett, uh, let me ask the, you this question. Collider. There we go. Let me ask you this question: Is you know a lot of times you'll hear people you know that that get to this stage and they'll say, well, you know, what would you do different? And I I don't like that question because it's I think it's a negative, you know, looking at it from a negative light. Sometimes you know it's, there's being self reflective and things like that. The question is is what was good about the trajectory that you took making that shift, number one, and then going through the last, you know, you know, you got into it for a year or two and you decided, hey, am I, I'm going to probably do this long term. So those next 14 or so years, what has been the thing, what have been some of the things that you've hung your hat on? And I, I say this because I'm sure there's other people that are going through this, this either early stage or mid stage or late stage. And I always try to give them a positive way to look at it. So what was good about your choices, decisions, trajectory, all that for the last, you know, 15 or so years. So my, my aim was to, um, have great, uh, customer communication, uh, to have great customer service. And I also, when you're in corporate lawn care, uh, you're also kind of competitive with the people that you're working with. And, uh, oh, hell we, yeah. we always, I uh, I was super competitive. I was an athlete. I was a basketball player. I went to school on a 
golf scholarship, volleyball. Um, so when I was put back into this competitive environment that involved science and communication, and uh, I, I just dove right in. And so what I can hang my hat on is I have way more W's than I have L's. So, let me let me qualify that again for somebody who's early late stage because I this is one trait about being competitive and about being driven is that we have a tendency to take stuff personally, take the L's very personally, and hold on to those very closely. Oh yeah, Matthew. So. Let me ask you this is Brent how knows. this is two this is two part question here is sure. how do you define a win in in lawn care and how has that changed is it how much money you make is question. it what's a w cuz i think this is something that we are terrible in and i'm talking about golf sports lawn care terrible as turf people is defining and celebrating success we're fucking awful at it so all the best people me- that i know are too awful at it go on for, for well, me, it was turning around an angry customer into a happy customer, right? So um, walking through the steps, uh, communicating, following up on conversations, and uh, turning somebody going, this is, this is the worst lawn in the neighborhood. What can I do to fix it or this is all your guys's fault what's really going on here and then me just taking going home tearing open textbooks uh reading articles next morning calling back that customer explaining everything going over what we could do to to fix it what you can do to help and and uh communicating that and those i pretty much spent a pretty good chunk of my career corporate situation doing that which put me um, up a little bit higher than uh, everyone else uh okay let I, me I ask this question mirror that it <laughs> okay yeah, good, well, good. I, I, I was gonna ask hang on. Too. I, I, we yeah i was gonna say let's go around the horn on this because this is this is actually interesting i want i, I want to hear yours right? hell yeah okay i mean i have a similar experience with Brent, and then it goes even further in that did you all know that by the time I separated from my former employer, on their own volition, uh, a lot of the people that I serviced literally tracked me down and signed up for services from me directly. And a number of those people. I literally served them until they passed away in the household. I mean, that was probably just a lot of paternity suits of, you know, husbands that were like, I mean, clearly this guy was over here and he was, you know, taking care of my wife. Uh, But it was really uh, just a ploy because then they got him served. You know, Ray got that process server in his face. He's like, all right, I found you. Actually, Mr. Johnson wants you to come back and service his lawn. Would you be willing to do that? All right. Anyway, sorry. Well, the thing thing is, is that uh, Ryan almost because my typical client was a widow whose late husband 
took very good care of the lawn and the landscaping by himself. And so this person was basically looking for somebody that gave a damn. And, you know, I guess I was it. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, because, uh, you know, I have, I have a little rule that has served me well doing what I do. I never get involved in an, on a non-business plane on anybody's wife. Never. Pro tip right don't. there. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> care if they think I'm cute. I don't care if they think I look like their grandson or their son. I don't care. The answer is no. <laughs> Uh, everybody has had the customer whose husband is a truck driver and you show up at nine o'clock in the morning oh, and she invites <laughs> you in for, for margaritas and you're like, thanks. I have a really packed schedule today. No, thanks. She's like, I'm here <laughs> Monday through Friday the until me- 11 o'clock when he gets home. Yeah. You're like, I'm I say this. good. Great. Have the a mailman will be here in 90 minutes. Talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy your sixth margarita <laughs> of the morning. I wish you well. I'm sure. I'm sure it's really doing a doozy for you. Yeah, I, I gotta keep. I gotta keep going today. I got a lot more to do. <laughs> you know, if what's, a, what's a W for Matt? Um, a, 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 a couple things. I think the industry as a whole was it gave me something to, uh, something healthy to direct a lot of misguided energy towards. Right. Um, it, it was something to become obsessed with. Uh, and, you know, I very much have an addictive personality, you know, like it's just out of control, addicted, almost obsessive, compulsive, like personality. So uh, it was something to become wholly obsessed with that was not going to kill me right away, like drugs and alcohol would, for, for instance. Then the <laughs> second piece of it was what lawn care taught me, and it took a while to get to this point was. Uh, I, I will say that I was not ready for, um, I don't want, how do I want to phrase this? I was not ready, uh, was not mature enough to handle customer interactions, right? So, you know, I, I went by the attitude, it, it, customer service was not anything I studied, right? It was just, it's just something you, you fall into and you, and you fake it till you make it kind of thing, right? And, and it was, it was learning how to stick up for myself. Uh, and you know, it, it wasn't until I got to fairway lawns that I had a manager that not just taught me how to do that, but encouraged me to do that, to en- encourage me to figure that part out on my own. And that became such a valuable life lesson, um, that, you know, even being able to carry it on with me till today. And I, and I, and I think it's the, the uniqueness of problem solving in, lawn care or any kind of turf grass management exactly like you said brent you know where you know if you if you you come across a a problem that has someone in the absolute outermost realm of our universe and you've got to figure out how to get them back to planet earth um right and the uh, the effort and the steps and the communication skills that you have to build along the way uh to, to one speak appropriately to them uh, to not go broke in the process of trying to solve their problems <laughs> and uh, and three leave them with a valuable enough taste in their mouth that they see the value in you and want to continue spending money with you right and that's a a very 
um, difficult thing to accomplish. And I, and, and, and it just, it parlays into every other fucking aspect of your life. I feel like, and, um, and, and yeah, I, I, lawn care definitely developed that piece of growing up for me that I, I think I would have struggled with for a long, long, long time were it not for this industry. Matt, I, I, I got to agree with that too, because I still remember when I was, uh, you know, 20 something, maybe even 30 back then. And we had this one person that was basically a crotchety 60 something, 70 year old housewife. And she was difficult. She was demanding. I mean, and she complained about everything. And she was just, and she had a reputation within the office. So anyway, I went over to follow up on, you know, one of her latest complaints. And you know what? She pissed me off because of complaining about minor things and for having a reputation within the office as being a witch. And so what I did in front of her is I kind of peeked towards her garage very deliberately, and she asked me, Ray, what are you looking at? And I said, you know what, ma'am? I'm looking to see if there's a broom next to your Toyota Camry. Jeez, right. <laughs> but you know what? Yes. Uh, we kept her business, but. She was a lot less demanding after that. <laughs> she was a lot less demanding. And, and the people in the office said, Ray, you said what to her? Uh, yes. I said, I did. Because she's acting like a witch. This you're is telling me running. that right now doesn't surprise me like at all. I'm sh- and I'm shocked that it did to the people at the branch. But I don't know. Uh, well, What's yours today? I'm... Um, I, well, you know, you talk about growth and everything like that. And I think that, uh, when you, when you get out of school and when you're a younger person, like you have all these wild ideas of how you're going to do something or what you're going to do and everything like that. And then, you know, you get put in these spots where it's uncomfortable and you have to do it and maybe you don't do it so well, or maybe you think you, you know, you second guess yourself and there's a lot of that self doubt. And so, you know, as I sit here and think about it is, uh, you know, earning people's respect and earning their trust so that when the time comes, when you are put on the spot that you trust yourself to do the right thing and know what's right. And that other other folks will trust you and say, Hey, I know you got this, go, you know, go take care of it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you, you do that by what, you know, Brent was talking about for, you know, communication. I think that is probably the most underdone, or poorly done or not done at all skill in lawn care that is what separates a a good company or operator or owner or whatever from the rest. And I think that's something that, you know, it doesn't scale very well. And that's, you know, there's certain things you can do now. You can take advantage of technology and things like that. But at some point, you know, a company that's got, you know, I know guys that have uh, companies that have thousands of accounts, right. And, you know, dozens and dozens of tax working and there's no way that they can ever do it but you know the ones that are most successful still find a way to keep it personal right um 
you know, like the the one guy I know his his company's got. I mean, again, literally thousands of accounts. He just goes in the CRM and they randomly choose, you know, a hundred, hundred accounts a month, and he'll sit down for two hours and just write out a thank you note and send it, signed by himself, handwritten by himself. Is that going to touch everybody? No, but it helps. And you know, he has, yeah. is, you know, as he goes down the line. So, but at, at the at the senior level, you know, where where um, Brent is, I mean, I, I, I love his approach because I think he's very very thoughtful in the way that he tries to explain things and. It comes through and like on the YouTube channel too. Like you can, when you watch a video of his, you feel like, I feel like I'm standing in my front yard and he's talking to me and I'm thinking, all right, I get where you're coming from, bro. Like keep talking. Let's, let's, you know, and I don't know. That's that to me, that whole earning respect and earning trust so that when you say something, there's not the, well, what about, or like, it's okay to, to discuss and have them learn more and everything like that. But at some point they called you because they thought you were the expert and either need to be treated like an expert or you need to be sent down the road or walk on down yourself, I think. So anyway, <laughs> I, I, I just always like that question about defining what success looks like. So can you tell us just you now where you're at, right? With your own business, how long has it been there? I know it's more than just you. So can you kind of lay out, give us the, the three minute elevator speech about pro turf services? <laughs> okay, sure. So it, it, this is, I bought a, uh, a lawn care company, a smaller lawn care company that is obviously in my area. Um, it was established in uh, 1992, and I was, I've always known the owner, a uh, good friend of the family, uh, about 2000, and I believe 16 or 17. He approached me, was saying, I'm looking to either slow down or sell out, sell the business. Um, would you be interested in doing that? And uh, I put some numbers together, I made some hard life choices, and went ahead and took the dive into owning my own business. Um, so I took, I started from a platform that was already established. Um, I was also in the area for a long time. so. Uh, a good Western Mass boy taking over uh, uh, Western Massachusetts, small small company, uh, took off pretty fast after they heard that uh, I had taken taken ownership of my own smaller company, and uh, that's that's where we're at today. Yeah. So since having uh, started this uh, venture of of self employment. What has been the biggest challenges you faced up to this point? Uh, is it is it growth? Is it program development? Is it systems within within your business? What what what, what have been your your biggest hurdles to overcome? So uh, we all know that going from working for somebody to owning your own business is a is a big big step, right? So uh, learning the the systems. Uh, for sure, has been um, a struggle. The and Lush, I'm sure Lushy is watching, and he's going to be laughing at this. Point, but uh, the whole system that I bought was all pen, paper, uh, computer, not usually involved. All the taxes were done on paper. Everything was cataloged on the old. Uh, 
the uh, root cards. I'm sure, Matt, you probably or Ray, you've used a root card in your your time or two. So that getting that and working with that, and now I'm in the midst of trying to update that system to bring it into the 21st century. So that's that's definitely been uh, a fun endeavor to take on. Yes, the, uh, the technological uh, aspects of it are uh, a bit different because, for example, Brent, I think we kind of talked about this, uh, you know, one-on-one where, for me, getting everybody on an electronic invoicing and payment system because... You know how we always joke with you about your uh, your your ink and feather. Yeah. Uh, okay. In another time, I was printing and mailing invoices at the end of every month. In another time, so I I know what that's like. Yeah. Versus now. Uh, somebody gets invoiced at 12.01 of the first day of every month. Invoices go out electronically via email. So it's quite the difference, and uh, it's to the point where I normally don't even have to handle cash or checks. Sure, yeah. I don't. I mean, I just don't. And I guess this became important in March of 2020, 2020, for example, because uh, I can also say that it's literally been at least going to be going on three years since I set foot in a bank. (laughs) Jeez. Ray doesn't like the public. As much as Matt doesn't like the public, and I think that Brett doesn't like the public. I, th- I really think Ray is the grand champion of introvertism here. He he is on the logarithmic scale of uh, <laughs> fact- factorial, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's it is upper right quadrant. Really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> slammed in the corner. Upper uh-huh. He's got a SpaceX so, engine on the on the bottom of his growth curve of hate. So if it, if you have somebody that's doing that, oh, go ahead. Wait, wait, go ahead. I'm going to give him a chance to respond no, to that. No, it's just a matter of me not appreciating their cooties or their contagion. Because, you know, Matt, the last time I had to be on antibiotics was as far away as 2019. Ever since I've consciously avoided uh, people and their cooties, you know, I have not been on 14 days of antibiotics since then. Got to get it. We got to yeah. check the Guinness Book of World Records on that. You know, somebody who's not an Aborigine or in the Amazon, uh, what's the record for longest length of time in between antibiotics prescriptions? Should should look into that. Yeah, Do a little or, research. Yeah, it's it's just that I. You know, 
I kind of enjoy that not being on that because I'm thinking every time I go on one of those things, I'm thinking, what kind of creepy, freaky side effects am I setting myself up for doing this? I mean, yeast I know it's going to keep Ray, me from doing yeast infections. That's what we're talking yeast about. Yeast infections. Uh, well, there's a you have to shut it down with Sheila for a little while, at least a week. Exactly, and <laughs> and there's also a rather horrific that. infection that affects your intestines if you are on certain antibiotics because it wipes out the beneficial bacteria in your intestines and then your intestines become colonized by a very virulent microbe as a result c difficilis that's the name of that microbe i was just thinking more of like you know uh (laughs) I can't, it's such a terrible joke. I'm not even going to say it. I'll tell you after the show. I can't, I can't do it on air. All right. Let's get back to, so for somebody, Brett, that is thinking of doing this, whether they're, they're going to get, is, okay, let me ask you this. Is there a difference and would the playbook that you would prescribe for somebody be different if they had experience in both cases, but they were thinking about either starting their own business and they've been working small time or on the side or something like that? versus somebody that was buying a business, buying their way into it, would the playbook look any different in terms of getting yourself mentally prepared and what you have to learn and how to deal with you know, some of those challenges, everything like that? What are your thoughts there? So when, when I first started doing it, um, I mean, you're not making very much money, right? Uh, you're, you're trying to build up uh, to it. And I actually... I, I wanted the opportunity to learn from a corporate lawn care uh, gig. And so that, that kind of mm-hmm. experience made me extremely more comfortable with taking over my own, my own business. Um, so that's the route I'm, I've done. I've experienced it. Um, so that's, that's the, the only place that I can really come from. I, 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 I know the feelings of, of starting out and doing, you know, all right, start with this lawn or this neighborhood or just maybe even this, this side of town, and it takes quite a while to to get there. Um, I learned quite a bit about how to grow a business from the corporate lawn care side, about uh, door knocking, uh, sending out mailers, uh, just leaving a leave behind after you uh, just finished a property saying, you know, I do uh, Mrs. Smith's lawn to the left of you. Uh, she's really happy with the service. Maybe consider calling me. Uh, and I have built roots and done that for years. Uh, and it's worked. And uh, so those little things, I guess, could help if, if I can offer anything to that. What do you think? Let me ask this is, you know, we all read uh, the Facebook groups and stuff like that. And there's, some good stuff in there and there's some poor stuff, but what, what do you think some of the most avoidable mistakes are that people make that I'm not going to say that they're like, you know, death blows or anything like that, but especially getting started right on your own and regardless of how you come into it, what are some of those mistakes that people could avoid that you maybe see others making or have made yourself even? Um, I wouldn't go, uh, equipment crazy i think you, you can you can start out making making stuff work minimal minimalistically and then building your way up and investing back into the to the company that way um i 
when I first started doing landscape stuff, I I can't even remember just borrowing the mower. I'll borrow it and I'll get this lawn done for you. Um, so I don't know. I think just t- be patient with yourself. Uh, don't don't go overboard with with all the stuff. Uh, don't put the cart in front of the horse. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Man, let me tell you how much I think that is a great idea. Because, and I think younger generations are even worse at this, that you get stuck in this mindset that you can spend your way out of problems in lieu of just sometimes hunkering down and getting it done with what you have, right? Um, and, and, and this parlays over to manufacturing too. How many times I have gotten a phone call that, hey, I need to get this to fix this. And just you get there, you take a look at the problem. You're like, no, 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 no. It's going to suck, but we can fix it like this, right? Exact same thing in lawn care. You know, like, oh, my permagreen went down. I can't finish my route today. No, bullshit. Uh, All all you got to do is, and I've had to tell my, I've had to have this conversation with myself in the truck before. Quit being a fairy and pull out your dry spreader, fill it up, and go push it across the Georgia lawn. I know it's 30,000 square feet. I know I'm going to hate myself at the end of it. But you know what? That's more revenue than I ended up making today uh, because I just wasn't a, a weak-ass motherfucker. I don't know if I'll put it there. <laughs> you know, Matt, <laughs> do you want to be know in the- how many times I've no. actually had excuses. a job uh, with a B&G hand can. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. No, I've had to do No, I've had to do it. And the reason why I've had to do it is uh, at that time, I was using a type of pump that was prone to failure. And so I'd start her up. Or else I'd be in the middle of the job and loading up like my last 5,000 square feet. And, oh, uh, pump took a shit. So Mm. what I ended up doing was draining the contents of the tank uh, into the B&G can and finishing the lawn. I'd been there. done some terrible stuff on the golf course too dude yeah i mean like it, it is a mindset thing right like uh the 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 most important thing is getting the job done not necessarily like what gets in your way what, what's the what's the old saying matt and ray and brent don't tell me how rocky the seas are just get me into the fucking port right yeah <laughs> 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 Oh, boss used to say that. Maybe I think so, Matt. What we need to do is we need to get a, a, a Grass Factor branded, a Thirsty Thursday branded uh, sticker to put inside the upper lid of every toolbox uh, in a lawn care company that says, "Don't be a weak ass motherfucker today. Fix this shit." <laughs> yeah, I, 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 look, and yeah. it's it, only it's you can fix this motherfucker. That's we need the Matt with like the Uncle Sam pose. Yes. <laughs> And I know this isn't something, you know, like driver could identify with. I know, I know that, you know, he would, there's no telling what he'd probably, he'd probably just 
up and walk away, go home for the day, wash his hands of it. But you know, sometimes you just got to hunker down and get the job done with whatever it takes. Right. And, uh, and a lot of times you may not have the appropriate tool or the appropriate whatever, and it's going to suck, but you live to see another day because of it, because you just said, you know what, I'm not going to effing quit today. Um, the, uh, what are, what are these soil tests we've got here? What are, what are we looking at? Oh, oh. can we, can we uh, start yeah. to fire these these, up? Are, these are all, these are gorgeous, uh, customers of mine. Yeah. <laughs> gorgeous. I thought you would, I thought you would find these interesting. I mean, fairly, fairly so simple. I'll, I'll say that after taking a look at them, uh, and we'll 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 look at this here. You know, pH five point three. We're on the low end there. The phosphorus levels are sky high, two eighty four. Uh, potassium levels are pretty gosh dang low. Uh, you know, of course, we're we're on the on the lower spectrum of magnesium and calcium as well. Uh, all right, that's that's the first one. Then uh, the second one here. Uh, decent uh, a pH in Ooh, this yeah. here. Uh, we'll call that ideal. Uh, again, high in yep. phosphorus. Uh, you know, you're, you're there with potassium. Uh, but take yeah, you know, and, I, and the way I'm going to approach this, and this is I'm going to say this is that as a lawn care operator, the fewer SKUs you have to inventory, the less expenditures you're going to have. Right. So as I take a look at this, what's going through my mind? This is for, for people that are standing, you know, playing along at home. Is as I take a look at this, I'm trying to think, you know, what is one product I can buy that, as an average across this, is going to provide me my biggest bang for the buck, right? Fewer SKUs I have to carry is the less cash I have to I have to put out in front, and uh, you know, it's less I have to roll over from season to season or year to year, so to speak. All right, we had another one. Look at this. Look, uh, this is oh, this is gorgeous. Uh, Four point eight oh. pH. <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're getting low, uh, but, but then like 29 parts per million of potassium. I've got to say that is on the lower end of low potassium that I have ever seen. Uh, that I've seen it, seen it that low right there. Even turf truth. I've seen it that low. That's low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or so, yeah, man. not, not low enough for Michael Woods though. Oh, it is. It yes, is. it is. It is. <laughs> I knew Ray was going to say that. Combative old man, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So uh, our listen. last one. I mean, we got one more. We got one more. Oh, do we? Hang on. Oh, oh okay. this one. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so we, you, obviously the common trend here is that in, I would say this is rare for, for the ones that, that I, I typically look at. I can't say Western mass is anything I've ever really studied. And, and, you know, it's interesting that you even have higher phosphorus levels than Lushy does, but, um, is you have phosphorus levels higher than your potassium levels. That is fairly interesting. I can't say that's something I've seen a whole lot of. Uh, but, you know, also like Lushy, you're dealing with on an average lower pHs, and that's obviously not across the board because we have a 6.6 six and a 6.5 here as well too. Um, so yep. in my opinion, looking at all of this, uh, the, uh, as, a, as a singular product that I would buy, uh, it would be a one- the zero to one ratio uh, fertilizer. Now, let me ask you this. Are you a granular or a liquid guy? Be careful how you answer because I will fucking judge the shit out of you if you answer it wrong. <laughs> so uh, I, it depends on what I'm using, but I will use granular about uh, 90% of the time. Me too. Okay. 
<laughs> Me too. And, and uh, wait, hang on. Let's get this out of the way too. How many applications sure. are you doing a year? Uh, depends on the customer, but uh, a basic program would be four four applications. Okay, and so your season is typically running what mid to late March through uh, early November. I would go as far as to say uh, over the last eight years, it is more like uh, the beginning of April to uh, beginning of November. Okay. So we'll say May, June, July, August, September, October, November. So you're, you've got, you know, in, in six months, you, you, you've got, you know, roughly, uh, four to six, four to seven potential applications that you can get down in that time period, which is, which is not a lot, right? So you have to be, uh, uh, mindful about, about what goes down when the timing of it, um, and, and all that fun stuff. So again, leaning, leaning back into this, you know, if, if I, if I had to pick, you know, what, two things for certain that I'm going to be doing would, would be uh, lime where, where is required and a one zero one fertilizer and considering, you know, you're covering six months in, in, you know, we'll say four fertility applications. We'll leave it simple like that just for sake of math. Um, you know, you need approximately 45 days of response in order to achieve that. And so, you know, it makes sense to do a granular application from that standpoint, because, uh, in, in a single application to try and achieve a six week color response, you know, what would be an an, an appropriate level of, uh, what is the, what is the subjective term? Um, uh, uh, a, 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 an appropriate level of uh, what is it called? Turf quality, right? Uh-huh. Acceptable level turf, of yes. turf quality. Uh, it it would be hard to achieve with a liquid, if if just not impossible. Mm-hmm. Period. Uh, if I I would make that argument that you're not going to be able to get six weeks out of any fucking liquid. Uh, period. No. Uh, consistently. So yep. I. When, when I said be careful about how you answer that, you answered it. Uh, so I don't, I don't have to judge you anymore. All right, I'm out of words. <laughs> what, so uh, let's talk about this. this. It's another interesting thing. You know, you talk about rounds and things like that. So pricing wise, and I'm not asking you to share your pricing. You know, you know, give away anything competitive advantage, anything like that. But there was a little bit of talk last night on our Discord about you know having to raise prices and feeling the pain of that and what's going to be attrition and all that sort of stuff. So just generally, and then we'll kind of, we'll dive in a little bit deeper, but generally speaking, giving, you know, the, the conditions economic and otherwise in the last, you know, two or three years. And I guess it goes, you know, on the, you know, the buyer side too, right? The, the homeowners and the folks that are contracting with you, where do you land right now in terms of, uh, of pricing and your strategies around that, right? Are you trying to hold the line? Are you not afraid to you know, move the needle a little by little, or are you an all at once guy? Like, how does that fit into what you're trying to do in clientele? Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm trying to move the needle little by little at this point. Um, I I know the pricing of corporate lawn care stuff. I know where we've been at with that. Uh, so I'm I'm moving the needle uh, little by little. I think I went up. Uh, 10% last year and I'm going up another 
five or six percent roughly on on some customers uh, this year and i'm right now i think i could be comfortable doing that at this point um i'm going, going to need to i mean the cost of materials are is still high even just getting um uh, invoices and uh getting things printed is more expensive uh someone running my call center the prices for that have gone up uh, it, things all around have just increased so it, i wouldn't be able to survive if, if i didn't increase uh cost of services well for sure and i think that's the thing is everything's gone up and I, personally what i see and again it's this is you know anecdotal from talking to folks and different parts of the country and including you right is that uh, not a lot of people pushing back so much on price increase uh, more so to the point that you've got folks that understand it that are willing to accept it and i think it is a good barometer on the quality the overall quality of your service so you know not even so much of how you make the lawn but you know how well you follow up the communication all those things right if people feel comfortable with that you know they understand the way that's the world works but if you're teetering on the edge of you know the guy that you, you know, declined the offer to come in and see him naked while getting paid, well, that guy might cut you off the next time you show up there and tell him, hey, there's going to be a price increase. He just he might not want to have it. So <laughs> I think it helps, you know, to the, the, the question that uh, our friend Lil Tiff was asking last night. I didn't get a chance to answer him on there, but I thought we'd have a little bit of a conversation about it here. I don't see it as a bad thing to lose customers in a price increase, right? Unless they're the kind of customer, you know, the, the, and this is, I think, sort of an anomaly that you raise prices and your best customers say, I'm out. The kind of customers that are your ideal clients say that I'm out. Now, that's a chance for you, right, to go one-on-one -on -one and say, hey, you know, what gives? And maybe you learn something about their financial situation otherwise that prevents them from doing it. But I also think, too, and I wanted to get your opinion on this and certainly Matt and Ray, too, but what is this a case? in certain markets, right, that maybe you're a little bit, hey, I'm already kind of touching close to the ceiling here. Do you have a step down offer, right? Do you have an offer of, hey, I can maintain that same price that you've been paying, but you're now going to get four apps instead of six or something like that without really like screwing up your production rate and your SKUs and all, you know, inventory, things like that. Do you think there's a case for that for some folks and or not? I, I see so, Matt uh, wincing already. <laughs> No, 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 no. Go ahead, Brent. Uh, <laughs> so just to touch upon what you were talking about before, um, one of the things that I've certainly noticed is that uh, an increased price kind of eliminates the shoppers. And uh, do do we really want shoppers, uh, or do we want loyal customers? Right. Um, so one having a higher price will take take care of of the people and the shoppers are usually the ones that are going to call you 18 times a year about uh some issue with the lawn whereas you have loyal customers that will will call you and and you explain it and they they do the job and uh you move on and, and that's it so on the the second point of that uh oh geez i lost track i, I was i was so committed to my first point <laughs> no, no, no. So is, is there a case, and I'm not saying it's for everyone because I don't think you should just do this right off the bat and have this be the answer. But do you have a counter offer or a step, uh, you know, some people will call it a step down offer of, 
okay, I can maintain that price of what you're paying, but I've got to lower the amount of services that I'm providing for that, right, to match, right, that price. So, you know, do you offer, hey, I'll get you down to four applications a year. Understand that, you know, the product that you receive is not going to be the same, but your price point, you know, it's almost like the, uh, you know, yeah, Matt, Matt probably has a lot of experience in this because he's totaled nine cars. You know, you go to the car dealership and they say, hey, you know, what kind of payment? You know, I, oh, 600 a month? Yeah, let's let's get you on this 96-month payment plan. And, yeah, you can get a new car to wreck. <laughs> I love you, Matt. There's part of me that I, w- I could say that you can you can get rid of, uh, you can you can adjust certain aspects of it. So let's say a customer has on top of five, five fertilizers, a grub control, um, a lime and a fungicide program. I can probably drop a few of those fungicide applications in the hopes that the customer's cultural practices are going to be better. We focus on, on more of that. So, uh, like a full, uh, Ryan, you, you call it like a, platinum or gold level uh lawn care um mm-hmm. year uh, you can probably maybe cut into that a little bit i don't really particularly feel comfortable cutting a basic lawn care um mm-hmm. program at all uh the, every application is pretty important um even that that last application you're you're uh, getting all the carbohydrates into the grass and preparing it for the spring so um i, I don't feel comfortable doing doing that and I'll, I'll explain that to the customer if that's such the case um but in the end if they're gonna if they're gonna drop one or one aspect of it i don't like it but i would do it i guess you know, and this is, I was, I was wincing honestly because I was like giving it serious thought. And if there's ever a time to separate yourself from the competition, it's to be creative now, right? Being creative in the face of objections, overcoming objections, as you'll hear a lot in the startup space, right? Like when you're raising money, it's always, you know, how do you, how do you overcome objections? And hustling lawn care is no different than raising money. It just, you know, varies by the number of zeros at the end that you're trying to earn, right? And uh, and so, you know, becoming as creative as possible to maintain the deal, and uh, and and if there's ever a time, it's especially you know, right now. You know, people people are in the throes of it. They don't really know uh, what's going to be going in the future. You're more. Uh, fiscally conservative people are probably beginning to look at their budget and considering what they're going to be scaling back. And, uh, and you know, you might start getting those phone calls if you haven't already. I know some people have called me in, in full-fledged panic attack because they, they did. They started getting phone calls in droves uh, the end of last year. And I uh, was just freaking out at the number of phone calls they were getting. I think it was like, I think it was like 80 in a week that they got of, of people wanting to wow. cancel. And, uh, and, and, you know, we talked about, you know, what kind of campaign are you going to run to be able to, to try and uh, salvage as much of this as possible? Because if, if they're calling with the intent of canceling, you know, it's, th- that's a pretty significant objection to overcome. And, uh, and so, you know, it wasn't, and it actually worked out to, 
I, I, what I would consider a very, very, very passing grade. Um, and in that particular instance, exactly like you said to me, it was figuring out where can I cut um, a an uh, an application um, that would or just scale down what you got, you know, scale down what you have, right? Maybe instead of three quarters of a pound every trip, maybe it's down to half a pound, or it's maybe dialing those in a little bit. I don't know. I I I'm, that, I'm it, that was on that. that was the other thing too was. Making some program modifications because this is one of the one of the uh, one of the guys that likes to do um, uh, the one and done uh, type of deal where it's it's one fertility app done at the beginning of the year uh, because it's a you know, northern Indiana short growing season right does one a one and done application at the start of the year and then you know the the remainder of the apps are uh, you, you know it's you spend all your entire budget right there at the beginning of the year and then you know your, your pennies from that point forward and it's like well let's not do that let's Let's you know be a little bit more targeted with it and uh, use something that's going to be a little a little bit more affordable and look at it from a dollar per thousand square foot perspective of if we do it this way what is our overall total overall expenditure for the year versus if we do it that way right and for some of these people that were you know getting getting antsy it's like you know okay look this is this is going to be the price but what we're going to do is we're going to shave this particular one because. You don't have irrigation, so to speak, right? And uh, and this is this is going to be a time of the year for you where uh, typically it's going to be starting to check out anyway. And uh, and so we're just going to pull that for this year. And if things start to look like they'll rectify, we can readjust it, readdress it at that point. But you know, being creative of how you're going to overcome it if that makes sense. I can't agree. Ray, with I know. That. Yeah, Ray, I know this isn't your wheelhouse, but what would you if 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 somebody asked you that question? In that context, I mean, what would you advise somebody else who's not the green doc to do? Well, <clears throat> what I would uh, tell them to look at is look at their nutrient sources uh, because I know personally for me, my nutrient sources for the most part are rather economical. Mm-hmm. It's just that. I do not get 60 days out of a fertilizer application, and I sure don't get a one-and-done out of a fertilizer application. It's more about smaller targeted amounts of material applied when they would have the most benefit. So it's all about precision in application. I mean, that's uh, what I'm about because. Even before the global chaos of 2020, fertilizer was always expensive where I'm at. Right. It was, you know, everything was just lord, ungodly expensive, 50-something dollars for a bag of Umex where I'm at, uh, $25 for a bag of AMS, uh, potassium nitrate is $60 a bag, uh, triple 20. Peter's triple 20, that'll be $40 for the 25-pound bag. And my beloved uh, Yaramila 111, that guy was always about $25 a bag. Always. So, and of course, for the, uh, you know, 
lawn type supposedly 60-day interval app fertilizers, all those guys run about $35 to $40 a bag. And they don't last very long in Hawaii anyway, so they're sort of no use to me. They don't matter. One and done quickly becomes six and done in Hawaii with those uh, soil temperatures and rainfall amounts. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I get yeah. It. it becomes six. It becomes you're going to be back in you're going to be back in two months anyway. And actually, every single supposed slow release fertilizer application I've seen done is chooching for the first thirty to forty five days grows like a motherfucker, and then by the sixtieth day. The grass is dead. Like there you go, Matt. Uh, you wanted you wanted a marketing campaign to to you know overcome the the sell off. Growing like a mo- motherfucker. <laughs> yes, Mrs. Johnson. Yeah. But we're gonna do this yeah. new thing called. <laughs> I can totally see Ray saying that with a straight face some sweet old lady and she'd be like that sounds motherfucking great let's do it mr ito (laughs) (laughs) all right anyway i get it but then yeah but but then what i would tell people to do is hey you gotta look at getting every single dollar and hour of time to apply out of your applications and then parlaying into that what I would also counsel people to do, and I've been harping on this forever, is get your soil pH right, okay? Because calcium and magnesium are also important nutrients for the turf grass that can become limiting factors. And a pH out of range then makes every ounce of N, P, and K that you intend to apply to that turf area that much less efficient where in another time, your response to that lack of response and inefficiency would be to throw down more fertilizer. But then in these hard times, I don't know of anybody in the business that willingly throws down more fertilizer because they're not getting a response out of their application right now. I don't know anybody in the business that's willing to do that because eh, you'd be surprised. everything has gotten so expensive. They're all in the Facebook groups, right? They're all, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to go any deeper than that. All right, let me ask you this, Brent. Is, uh, well, and I, 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 I say this, I ask that question because I think it is something that in certain areas of the country that folks might have to look at because... I really feel like there's price pressures in uh, areas that have a lower cost of living, right? That it might be hard to justify right. you know, somebody adding that expense because it's not like, oh, hey, I live in, you know, Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and, you know, my fertilizer hasn't gone up nearly as much as it has in Knoxville or Metro New York or something like that. Like, it's pretty ubiquitous, right? So you're not, it's not transitory to be able to say, oh, well, hey, I can only raise your price, you know, 10% here in Pine Bluff, and I can go up 35% in Metro New York just because, well, that's just the cost of living and the cost of doing business in these areas. If it's a product thing, right, it's, it's kind of hitting everybody the same, so it's tougher in those lower cost of living areas to where I think you got to have some type of right. a pivot, I, my, in my mind, right? 
So let me ask you this. No, you're absolutely uh, right. You hear this a lot. I hear this a lot. I think we all do is you'll hear these um, internet gurus. Man, we have to go back and watch one of those on the after shows, guys, the the, the sales gurus up there in, in Canada and, and dive in on that one again. Gosh, those guys. But you hear the, the term, you got to know your numbers. You got to know your numbers. What does that mean to you as a business owner and as somebody who's been in this industry for 16 years now? <laughs> When somebody says, know your numbers, what numbers are they talking about? And what are the most important ones that you look at, you know, as far as, you know, key performance index or, or metric? Right? I love this question. <laughs> so knowing your numbers is, is across many fields, right? So how much are you spending on gasoline to get to each stop? How much, um, how much are you paying your technicians? Um, what expenses are you putting into um, marketing? What expenses um, are you putting on your overhead? Uh, it, it goes across many fields. So if, if uh, knowing your numbers is a pretty broad statement to, to covering all the fields of expenses is how I take that. So, but So in your case, right? What numbers are most important to you in your business? And I'm not saying that this that your answer is going to be the same as somebody else's answer, whether it be in volume lawn care, a, you know, a, a one man band, anywhere in between. But to you, no wrong answers here. But what are you looking at in terms of you know money in, money out, product costs, you know, uh, you know, cost of acquisition for a customer? Like, all, what are the what are the ones that may mean the most to you in your business? Um, yeah, so we, we, we had a hard time this year, um, well, last year, uh, having the price match what the cost was. So we weren't bringing in the, the, the kind of money that we were the, the year before, even with the increase in prices. So, uh, I got burned on the, on the back end of that. I didn't count on gasoline, uh, prices being so high for so long. Uh, all year um so there there were some pro projections that i missed and i got burned on the back end of that so uh, i'm working to fix that for myself for this year so i, I agree that that you gotta know your numbers um i'm still still in the midst of improving that aspect of my own company as well fair enough i mean i think it's always a struggle matt ray I, I, I like these questions going around the horn because of our collective 90 years of experience in this room. It's a, it's a interesting panel, but so is, let me add, I'll add this on to you guys because your businesses have changed, evolved, everything like that. What are the numbers that mean the most to you? And is it different now than it was in the beginning? Let's take that. Oh, say that. fuck. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's always a moving needle, right? I mean, the needle is always moving because, the scope of your business or the focus of your business or your strengths or your weaknesses are always moving, right? And so you have to make that adjustment as you go. Like, you know, and I'll give a, a, a shout out to a guy named John Pajak, who uh, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I, I watched um, him break this down and explain it to me, who was actually from one of the Facebook groups. And this is when, you know, Listen, there, there are some people you meet in the Facebook groups that are just like, wow, that 
is a home run person. Let me tell you, anybody that has ever met John Pajak will only have that to say about him. Just an unbelievably amazing human being, the kind of human being that you want your kids to grow up to be. Anyway, um, uh, Pajak uh, uh, broke out a, a, a whiteboard scenario and, and showed exactly how to allocate costs to even all the way down to your pieces of equipment. And one of the things that he did in that was taking into account maintenance intervals and, uh, and, and what you should be budgeting based on the maintenance intervals that existed in your, in, in the, your equipment manual, right? So, you know, we'll say it's a, it's a permagreen, you know, how frequently are you changing your, your brake cables? How frequently are you, you know, replacing your paddles, so on and so forth. And, and you, you started to be able to calculate um, you know, what it costs to turn on your permagreen that day, right? And, or how much did it, did, it, did it cost for you to take your truck off the lot that day? And, and what, what that allows you to do is make that judgment call of when, you know, for instance, do, do I want to bring in a, a technician today to help me, you know, try to get a route in and it, we might get rained out at nine o'clock in the morning and then be able to pick it up at two o'clock in the afternoon? Or is it going to be cheaper to just call the day? And, uh, and have a day of no production, which one is going to end up costing me more money, you know, having people come in and not really getting anything accomplished or just scrapping it and calling it, you know, whatever it is. Right. So anyway, that, that was like the first aha moment I had was, was actually understanding, you know, how much did it cost to get there in the morning? How much did it cost to turn on the truck? How much did it cost to get to the first stop? How much did it cost to, to turn on the permagreen? So on and so forth. Then, and, and I think the, the big piece of that, that, you know, moving forward was uh, planning for unintended expenses, right? Because, you know, going into it, it's one of the things that you say, oh, well, I'll get to a point where I can do that, right? But no, no, no. Actually writing it down on paper and having it in the back of your head, whether you have the money to, to set it aside at the time or not, at least be cognizant of it and write it down somewhere so you don't forget it that when you do have the money and you start thinking to myself, Right. How am I going to allocate every dollar that I have in the bank right now? Right. Uh, because, you know, ultimately at the end of the year, you know, what, what do you, how, how much profit do you want to carry to the How much profit do you want to carry to tax? Blah, so on and so forth. And, you, you know, again, map it all out on paper. But, you know, as, as time goes on with your business, you start to pick up on what those unintended expenses are. Right. And it could be like, all right, I'm going to factor in that I'm going to kill 10 yards this year or whatever arbitrary number <laughs> you want to put it there. I'm just using 10 for, for the ease of math. Right. And Sorry, I, I know that to repair 10 lawns is in, in, on average, it's going to cost me $300 a lawn. So I'm going to set aside three grand through the course of this year, uh, in, in just unintended dead lawn repairs. Okay. Um, that's, that's one thing, or, uh, I'm going to set aside a slush fund for, um, a motor failure this year. The likelihood of me having a motor failure is zero. Uh, uh, but well, we'll say 0.01% because nothing is a true zero. Right. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and set it aside. And, uh, and you know, maybe the second year that I have that set aside and I, I still haven't dipped into it, but now I've got two years of, of motor expenses that, and one of them's just purely unnecessary at this point, you know, where, where can I reallocate this? Maybe I can offer it as a bonus to an employee, or maybe I can offer it to just fund money for us to go burn down the town and drink a whole bunch of, of, uh, adult beverages and have a, a team building day. You know, maybe we'll go to the shooting range and shoot a bunch of guns and whatever, so on and so forth. Right. 
So again, I think it is so fucking important. And and you want to talk about getting your ass handed to you in, uh, in, in manufacturing. This is one of the biggest lessons I learned was just documenting it, even if you don't have the money for it, but documenting it. So that as you do start to, to, to cash flow, these types of things is, you know where to allocate every fucking dollar. So there is no aha moments, eliminate the aha moments. And, uh, and it, and it, and it just becomes so much easier for you in the long run. Right. Damn son. <laughs> Ray, a lot of sleepless think? nights, a lot of sleepless. <laughs> nights. I've gotten those texts. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Ray, what do you what, what would your advice be on on the the numbers game? Because you're in a little bit different boat, being all by your lonesome, but in a pretty precarious situation where, you, as you've alluded to many many times, the cost yeah. of failure for you is far greater. You've got a lot more on the line, right? So, what does it mean to you when you say know your numbers? Well, it's uh, know your expenses. Uh... And know and account for all of your expenses. Because you see, your average chuck in a truck, for example, he doesn't plan, for example, on, ah, I've got to uh, repair a piece of machinery. Oh, I've got to uh, pay for gas. I've got, oh, or... Goodness, the uh, the truck needs to uh, go to the shop for a week. You know, chucking a truck hasn't planned for that. Where <laughs> careful, don't no, nope. chucking a truck's coming to get you. All right, you take a break for a second. Take a, take a sip of tea. Now, the the other thing about knowing your numbers, and Ray alluded to it before about like. Uh, having your products right and everything like that is how, uh, you know, Brent, how do you evaluate new products, different methods, things like that, that, you know, come up, uh, are you, are you kind of one of those folks that just, Hey, uh, we're going to do old reliable. I know this works and I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way, but if, if you do, how do you evaluate them? If you don't, um, have you ever thought about it? <laughs> yeah, so I've actually um I'm Mr. Try it, see if it works guy. I like to experiment with all that stuff. Um I think if um if it doesn't happen in this year, it's probably going to happen next year that my backyard uh, is probably going to start to blow in the dark. Um so oh. Oh. I uh I've certainly Certainly, we'll try something out and 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 work with it and experiment with it first before I put it uh, as a tool in my toolbox. So I, I give something time a year in advance before I feel comfortable uh, just going out there using it. Hmm. Okay. And how would you? I, I guess as a a rule of thumb or best practices, how would you, in your own words, you know, advise again? small business owners just particularly because it's a little bit different at scale and volume lawn care. How would you advise them to evaluate those products? Certainly taking your time. I agree with that as a tenant, but you know, what are you doing and what steps are you taking to really evaluate and say yes or no 
that I'm going to do this. Um, what measures, how am I measuring like the success yeah, or failures measure, of a product? Yeah, sure. Like measuring it or, you know, proving or disproving what you think about it or, you know, costing it out and saying, oh man, I thought this was, you know, this was going to give me, you know, season long control over the last for six weeks. Whatever, however you're measuring that, like, what are you doing and what would you, or what would you advise people to look at? I mean, certainly it's easy to just say, yeah, that's greener than that over there. That's treated with my same old standard stuff, but that can't be the only thing, right? Cause there's, there's other elements that go into that, right. And how long it's going to stay that way and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I take that into account. I also, um, I will, I will definitely do the, the visual green test. I will see how uh, a product uh, survives a, a drought area. Uh, so let's say I, I put something down that um, I was questioning the amount of nitrogen that it has going into the summertime. Did it just smoke out all my fine fescue or are we going to survive this or what's going on there? So I, I'm just, I'm cautious with stuff. I love experimenting with it, but I'm, I'm cer certainly also cautious at the same time. So I will measure how its durability through the summertime um i will measure how okay i know the this is a property that's on uh sandier soils uh heavier irrigated did it last six weeks did it last five weeks did it last two weeks like i will go back and i'll, I'll check on that and make a note uh, on the account that we tried this and, and where it's at with that and uh, I can go back to the distributor and say, uh, I like this aspect of it. I did not like that aspect of it. So um, I play play a lot of the things by uh, some of the science of it, which I love, but also what what am I seeing in the field when sure. using that? I mean, I think you have to, right, to a certain extent because – you're going to be judged ultimately on people's perception of it. And that's mostly what they see with their eyes. Right. And you could yep. sit there until you're blue in the face and explain to them, Oh, you know, it's a different mode of action and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, fuck you. I got grubs. What are you going to do about it? You're going to see my <laughs> yeah, yard, exactly. boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, I play around with other things that uh, with herbicides and, and I like, to experiment with that and and the combinations of that and um it's it's fun uh it's scary as shit sometimes you you uh experiment using uh, shore power a couple years ago, <laughs> couple years ago. <laughs> yeah buddy wow <laughs> start, you start wow. to see the, the lawn start on fire in front of your eyes and uh <laughs> Quite literally. I think okay. this one. <laughs> you know, that kind of experimentation, you know, the way I approach it is uh, over the years, I've gotten a very good sense of what is likely to cause, for lack of a better description, a very dramatic effect. And, you know, Brent, what has gone very far for me because uh, I frequently make the kind of applications where it looks like I killed the lawn for a month, okay? 
what goes a long way for me is I tell people that that is exactly what's going to happen. And so when it does happen, uh, I, I forewarn them. And as it's happening, uh, I can tell them this is what you can expect. It's different yep. from you doing something and then you are just as or more surprised than your client. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Been there. Okay. You know, I, yeah. it, it's a very rare day where that is the position I'm in where usually I get a call like that and I tell them, oh, don't you remember that before I actually applied this, I told you to expect that it's going to look like I killed your lawn. Right. Weird things happen right. time to time, and uh, yeah, I've been there a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, Spray, sprayed some things that had a reasonable expectation of what was going to happen. Let me tell you what, boys. It was uh, a Hollywood movie ending that uh, was a, was an absolute thriller. It was not what I expected, and. Uh, <laughs> yeah you know that Plot dream twist. yeah you know that dream where you're like up on the stage in the auditorium at school and you're completely naked in front of the entire student <laughs> body that's kind of what it feels like you know when you you get a call that says hey you know uh things aren't looking so hot up here. so anyway i don't know all right hey brent what other questions do you have for us as we as we wind down our time here and get ready to go to the after show no rush but uh you know you're our guest and, and we want to hear from you what questions do you have for us sure I, I don't know if Jay Pink has those uh, soil tests, or Matt was looking at them. There's one that's labeled uh, Rimmerd Street. I don't know if the, if the labels are on there. It's the one that had the super low pH. Uh, this one. 4.8. Yeah, 4.8. Okay, so Golden this is line. one that I've got. Yep, yep. So this is one that um, we've I've changed her program around uh, to involve uh, three limings in a season. Uh, so mm -hmm. we're going to get out there early on and then, uh, middle of the season. And then again, uh, at the end of the season, but, uh, originally, uh, this lawn was all fine fescue, but it had trees. Now these trees have been removed in 2009. Um, so now it has full, full sun exposure. Um, obviously you can see it's very sandy and, uh, over the last three years, uh, the fine fescue has been dying back. Mm. It's not surviving the summer and it's just atrophying and we are in the midst of repairing that. So what, what, um, what would what would you guys recommend for repairing and restoring a lawn such as that? And you see, the trees are gone, Brent. Right, the trees that are that were providing yeah. shade have gone away. Yes. Okay. Uh, what other cool season grasses besides fine fescue typically grow well? in your area cool season grass well i would we have ryegrass bluegrass 
and we have tall fescue. Um, mm -hmm. We have bent grass. Uh, for this, I'll give away a little bit is that I've started to convert this to a tall fescue. Okay. 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 Yeah. Well, that would be the good choice. And of course, what you said about planning on three Lyme applications per year, that's also sounding good because my understanding of turf type tall fescue is that it was specifically selected and bred to thrive and prosper in the more alkaline soils rather than acidic soils because otherwise uh, if you told me that you weren't going to lime what i would have told you is expect a lot of volunteer bent grass expect it yeah yeah and, and surprisingly uh there there for this particular one there is not a lot of Lot of I haven't seen bent grass in this in this lawn. I, I see it in every lawn here. It's everywhere. Um, this particular one mm -hmm. is a, a, out of a handful of ones. It's not there. Um, and uh, the customer wants this to survive past spring, right? And she does water. It's it's an impact sprinkler. Um, she works from home. She will water in the morning. Uh, she will do all those things when she starts. She for the last three years, she when she started to see her fine fescue fade back in the summertime, uh, she did run the irrigation, um, and and we did set up, you know, uh, half an inch, an inch, uh, an inch and a half of water a week or so, and she was still losing losing turf here. So hmm. uh, this particular area just just beats beats down with sun. So one of the right. problems here, right? I mean. That's uh, basically why I was asking what cool season grass does well, you know, in the sun. Because my understanding of fine fescue is that that is your ideal grass if you have areas that get less than full sun and are in an acidic soil. You see, that's like a, a use case for... Fine fescues is acidic soil and tree cover. Yeah, and and it was, it was I I don't I don't know if it was because the grass itself uh, matured in the shade and became used to to that or adapted to that. Now it was last uh, eight nine years now has mm. full sun exposure. I don't know. actually. Uh... This is not the first time I've heard of it happening because uh, I think we have somebody on the Discord where he had trees removed around his backyard and he previously had a very low-maintenance fine fescue lawn. But once the trees went away, he noticed that any area of the yard that got more sun, the fine fescue started to die back. So it's not, you know, a unusual situation. So, yeah, I mean, tall fescue, I guess that would be the default for a 
lower need, lower maintenance lawn. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that this is thank you. Uh, so, like, I think what on the oh okay, this is a different one. This is actually um, oh, okay. So yeah, there there it is. There. So so we're doing three applications of lime. We're replacing one of those fertilizers with a lime application like you were talking about earlier ryan where you're customizing yeah. something um to make it more affordable so um we're, we're dropping that the uh, one of the fertilizers and replacing it with a lime application i mean i think well, until you really get your get your three apps in and check the ph again I do think it's going to be challenging no matter what. I mean, 4.8, you'll get stuff to grow, but you're always going to be at the mercy. Like the the window with which you have to grow good turf in challenging conditions, you know, if that pH was, you know, a full point higher, goes from, you know, this big down to about this big. So yeah. you're, yeah. you're yeah. just going to, uh, you're just going to tough it out and tell her that this is a years long process and, you know, because of the parent material, so it's never going to go away. So you're always, she's always going to be on a liming program. And I think that with tall fescue, uh, you are going to find that it is a little bit more adaptable. What Evie was saying on the chat there that, you know, fine fescue gets a lot of pub at being really good in lower pH soils, which is true, but it's also very, um, very species driven, right? So there's just not, you know, fine fescue isn't a grass. It's a collection of different grasses, you know, sheep's fescue, blue fescue, hard fescue, chewing's fescue, red, you know, creeping red. Like, you, you, there's so there's a few things there to figure out. So I, uh, if I were you, I mean, I, I'm surprised nobody's really done this and dove deep on specific cultivars within, you know, low pH soils of, you know, New England in general. And, and maybe your seed suppliers know this and you could ask them is, you know, where are the best performing low pH lawns and try to understand what newer cultivars are out there that are performing well in those and, and gravitate towards that. So can't, uh, yeah, sure. it, it's hard to beat genetics as Matt Martin would tell you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Can't, no, I... can't, with, can't win without them and you can't outlive them. <laughs> so. All right. With that being said, Brent, I know we're going to have you back on again. Cause uh, like I said, it's not often you, we can pull this much uh, talent and experience into one uh, YouTube video. So uh, we'll definitely be doing it again probably th this year. I'd like to hear from you again, you know, late summer, sure. early fall, something like that, and, and check back in because you are you're a real one. And uh, not that the people <laughs> we, you know, we, we enjoy talking with people that are in the trenches. Right, Matt? You're damn right. You, Steve. We love you, Steve. <laughs> Keep selling those used cars, buddy. Hope, hope it works out real well for you. Okay. All right. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's time to go to the after show. We're going to see if we can get Brent to say a few bad words with us on the after show. You know, maybe maybe drop an F-bomb. Maybe say shit. I don't know. Uh, we, we've, we've already taken up a collection to uh, pay the swear jar for him. And uh, we'll see if we can get him to say some uh, some terrible things. But if you want to join us there, you'll have to, have to uh, join our Patreon because we are merely a fledgling show on YouTube. Uh, you know, Matt's only got 24,000 subscribers. And gosh, he checks it. What, Matt? I mean, it's probably every time you, 
use the restroom, you're probably hopping on and checking out your subscriber count. I know it means uh, a whole lot to you. It's how you measure your life and your success in this world. Kids, family, money, income, education. I mean, those things are all really secondary and paltry in comparison to uh, how you define your life on YouTube. And so all that being said, those are total, that's total inside jokes that only one person in this world would get. But if you want to join us, go check us out, www.patreon.com forward slash burn return. You can get right on there. Pay us. I think right now, again, we're back to uh, less than a gallon of gas. We're pretty close to it uh, at the lowest level. And, uh, you know, airport beers are getting more expensive. Our channel is not. And so we want you to come join us. We say bad things. We talk a little bit more in depth about some of the stuff that's out there on the Internet. And you get some other cool stuff like access to our Discord, live Zooms, uh, late at night, talking all about everything with Turf and Brent and Ray and Matt and whoever else is on there. So with that being said... boy, boy, some of the conversations that's been going on in the Discord here over the last, oh, I don't know, two, three weeks have been wild. Wild. And I mean that in the best of ways. Like if you're legitimately interested in some of the more nuanced what's coming in Turfgrass kind of sort of deal, let me tell you... The last two weeks have just been absolutely bonkers. It, it, from a, and I mean that in the best of ways. So do it. Patreon.com forward slash burn return. We're going to catch you on the effing flip side. Bye. Oh, and don't forget to unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> <You're fucked. laughs> Go ahead, cowboy. <laughs>